Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. There were a lot of goals in the Premier League this weekend as Liverpool destroy Crystal Palace. Manchester United take care of Leeds. United Tottenham lose to Leicester City and Arsenal continue their downfall. Also, Bayer Leverkusen ruse some defensive errors as Bayern Munich and Robert Lewandowski take care of business. We salute LAFC. We talk about Serie A, La Liga, and so much more. Stay right here. Que golazo with Jimmy Conrad and Heath Pierce. And yours truly begins right now. Everybody, welcome to Que Golazo Weekend Recap Time. Jimmy Conrad, Heath Pierce. Heath, how's it going, brother? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? We're good. Jimmy, what's up? I'm Banger in. I'm starting the show there. Arson Banger for life, baby. Let's go. Hey, listen, anybody in at this point, I feel right <laughs> now, now. We will get into it, of course. And we begin in the Premier League. And let's begin from the top of the table where Liverpool just absolutely demolished Crystal Palace. You know, we've talked about Norvergil van Dijk. Uh, a few injuries here and there, but uh, Salah didn't even start. He didn't come until like, you know, with uh, 25 minutes to go or something like that. And they destroyed Crystal Palace. Uh, quite a performance. Uh, Jimmy, let's go with you. How did you see this one? And what did you predict before this actual result? Uh, well, I thought it was going to be a lot closer. Crystal Palace historically has been very good at home and tough to beat, tough to break down. They're one of those teams in the Premier League where you just, oh God, we have to play Crystal Palace at Selhurst Park. I can't think of anything worse but they got that early goal and it just really unlocked everything. I think Crystal Palace just wasn't ready for the freight train known as Liverpool. I think Liverpool had a ton of confidence coming in after beating Tottenham last week, 2-1 or midweek, excuse me. And so they just were on top of it. And they, they like when, when we see that Liverpool playing like that, when they're finishing every single chance, it's, it's unbelievable. And, and you see that performance, you see this type of week that they had and you think, they can go on and win the Premier League. And when I look at Spurs, and now we're going to get into their performance today against Leicester, but I see some of their performances like, ah, now I know why they're not going to win the Premier League. So a really good performance from Liverpool. And, and I can't say enough just about how every single player put in a great shift and, and they were rewarded with a very, very comprehensive victory. Yeah, Liverpool registered an away top flight win uh, by seven goals. That was the first time they've ever done that in their history. Uh, but uh, to Jimmy's point, they just looked fantastic. And uh, Heath... One of the things about this game was that, you know, they didn't need Diogo Jota. They didn't need Virgil van Dijk. They, they didn't need Salah for the majority of this game. They just got on with it and took care of business. Yeah. And look, I, I don't want to bring Arsenal into this conversation, but when you talk about, <laughs> I, uh, but here, here we go. Uh, that comfort, that, by the way, that should begin with anything that you say yeah, about yeah, anything. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to, yeah. The, 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 but like identity is a huge thing. Right. And especially when you want to play, whether it's gig and press or you want to play beautiful football, build out of the back, you know, control the rhythm for 90 minutes. There is an identity thing and Arsenal, uh, or Liverpool, sorry, have an ability to put new players in and keep their identity and they'll make adjustments and they'll whatever. And there's a lot of players that are intelligent enough to, to make those adjustments. But um, yeah, it's just, they're just a joy uh, right now. And, and to be that clinical, right. Uh, as well, you, you Sometimes when you score them and you're like, man, I think we use some of this like good vibes uh, to score that many in a game like that and to be that clinical and, and have really top class, potential world-class goals, uh, multiple, uh, it makes you go, you know, Mane, for example, that turn and finish, you're like, wow, you used that one up early. But yeah, just there's just so many good quality players and, and, and form is a big thing and identity is a big thing. And clearly uh, they don't want to be held to a standard of, oh, we have injuries, woe is us, let's like, you know, let ourselves fall back. They just keep trucking forward. And clearly their belief system is different than, than, than the medias and, and sort of fans and people who expect them to fall off. Yeah. And you know, uh, a lot of uh, talent and a lot of players that we can specifically highlight Jimmy, obviously Roberto Firmino with a really good brace there. I mean, Amino getting his start, opening the goal in just three minutes. I like the fact that Sadio Mane was really angry when he was sobbed off just shows the fact that he's still very passionate. I mean, Klopp obviously did it because he's looking at like the run of games, but he also sobbed him up 
just as he missed like a really good opportunity. And Klopp was like, you're done. Let's put Salah in and stuff. But it's a good sign, right? It's a good sign to see all of that, uh, you know, come through uh, throughout the entire squad. Well, I'm sure he saw that he could probably score another four goals against this side. And let's be honest, these guys all have gold bonuses, you know, individual performance bonuses in their contracts. And if Better you think about that money, baby. Yeah, I mean, you're licking your chops. Like, yeah, I want to be, you know, at the top of the scoring charts. I mean, they obviously have that that motivation. And so I can understand why he's a little frustrated. Then most Salah goes in and scores two. You know, he's got to be pissed about that. I mean, obviously supportive, but also secretly kind of upset because they obviously compete. But to, to Heath's point, I, I think it's a good one. The identity is is really important i think that's what separates the great from the good we see some good teams that are still have so much talent they can kind of get by without an identity but with liverpool it's very stamped in their dna at this point every player that that comes on the field knows exactly what their role is and i want to give a shout out to to nabi keita because he came in today and when he plays i feel like liverpool are better i got to see him play once at anfield's champions league jesus two seasons ago and when he plays on the it's just there's something about his game he's a little bit different than the younger players that they're trying to give a chance there. He's a little bit different than Milner. Uh, I really like what he brings to the table. It's like this cool and calmness. Now, sometimes he gets caught on the ball and that maybe he's a little too cool and calm. But I like when he's in that Liverpool team and I think they play better when he's there. Minamino, I thought was a nice add as well. A lot of energy, good spark scoring, really got him some confidence. And I think Crystal Palace just didn't have any answers. But I really like what Heath had to say. I think that identity thing is, is great. When we get into Tottenham, I'll kind of bring up another example of Liverpool and, and what I think they do better than Spurs at the moment. Well, let's get into that Tottenham game because identity is something that Brandon Rodgers really focuses on when it comes to Leicester City. You know, he struggled in a couple, the last couple of games trying to get some results. But this one, you know, very respectful. Resilient, uh, really uh, organized, clinical as Leicester City beat Tottenham uh, and go second. So Liverpool with 31 points, Leicester City with, uh, with 27. And Heath, let's go with you first. Two nothing for Leicester City, a Jamie Vardy penalty, an own goal from Toby Alderweireld. Uh, and really Tottenham looking for uh, answers and couldn't find anything in this one. Yeah, this is one where... I would love for Jose Mourinho to say that the better team lost in that game, but that just would not be reality. Uh, Leicester were good. They, 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 they took it to them. And look, we talk about uh, identity and, and we've all been complimentary of Jose Mourinho bringing in a new identity, a pragmatic identity to Spurs. But then you're reliant on that counterattack to work at weekend and week out. And of course they have three of the best players and most informed players in the league in their attack. Uh, however, and a day like that where somebody's taking it to you and pushing you further and further back, um, yeah, it's difficult. And then you, you, you hit this streak where things aren't falling your way, right? Uh, and, and it's tough to climb out of. You look at the table now, and Everton's back in the mix, you know? Leicester City at two. It's, it's fun, and it's different, and it's going to be very hard for a Spurs. Uh, again, we, we, you could say that in the past about Chelsea, who, who were able to do it week in and week out with that style of play, but... Um, yeah, there were some weaknesses, uh, that I thought, and, and if you're not, if you're not finishing your chances and you go back to the Liverpool game where you're clinical six, seven chances, and you finish all of them, you need to be that when you're, you're willing to, to drop deeper on the field and your chances are going to come more, um, in, in a counterattack style or, or at the speed of play. And they did have a few big chances, but I, I thought this was Leicester's from start to finish, to be fair. Yeah, Jimmy, Mourinho, talk, after the game, Mourinho talked about uh, ruining the, the poor start from Tottenham's perspective and, and uh, Brendan Rodgers called to Leicester City excellent. But I, I would go as far as to say from Mourinho's point, it wasn't just a start, it was the whole package. I mean, you know, they actually had more possession than Leicester, but Leicester absolutely outdid them in chances, you know, when they enter the final third. You know, as soon as we talked about this actually against Liverpool, whenever it's kind of like give it to Harry Kane or Son and, and it's a joke, we exaggerate, but it kind of isn't. Like in many ways, it's, you know, you got to have a plan B and a plan C. How, how did you see this one? I don't even know where to start. I guess with Spurs, I'll start there. I guess when we look at it, I feel like they've overachieved. They, they maybe were playing over their heads. Obviously, Harry Kane and Hingman's son were producing and scoring goals. Like we, like unprecedented in terms of the amount of goals and their connection. At some point, that was going to get shored up and, and disappear. And every team runs through that stretch. So that isn't isolated to, to Spurs here. They're in that now. And to your point, what is their plan B? What is their plan C? Well, they went out and got Gareth Bale. Gareth Bale for me is washed, dude. That guy is done. Like I watch him play. I'm like, where is he? He's got no spark. There's no life. There's nothing to prove or you know? speed and or power or, or any nothing. of the things that, dude, yeah, 
I don't know if he's not taking those horse pills that they were given at Madrid when your quads are like 15 times bigger than everybody else's quads. I, I'm not trying to start any allegations. I'm just saying that it's kind of weird that all of a sudden they got veins popping out of their quads when they get to Madrid. But I, you just don't see, I, I don't see anything from him. And, and yeah, I know he was still a bit of a risk given his attitude at Madrid there at the end, but you, you'd think that there was going to be some kind of perk from him. And there's just nothing. So that was somebody they were hoping to rely on. I do like their other signings. I, I, I need to know a little bit more about Ndombele. Did, did he get come off at halftime because he was hurt? Because that's who they brought in for Bale. I'd rather have maybe uh, off the pace Ndombele at this point than, than Gareth Bale, who, who could care less. I think his heat map was him standing in one spot the whole time. I don't know. I, I, I was really disappointed with this performance all the way through. I thought that Leicester tactics were spot on. Speak about identity. They definitely have one. Even though they were struggling, I would say, over the last month. I mean, three weeks ago, they lost to Fulham at home. Fulham sucks. Okay. I'm just going to say it. I, I apologize. No, they're good now. Fulham's good. No, now. They're, they're not. Great. They're not good. No, stop. They're not good. Even Better though they're Arsenal. That's true, but they're <laughs> not, uh, they, they drew with my Newcastle and Newcastle's terrible too. So I'm just going to throw that out there. I'm, I'm, well, I'm suffering with all of you guys. Can they lost to Zoria. On, if you guys, I'll give you guys $10 right now. If you know where Zoria is in the, in the Europa league, uh, they beat Sheffield who are not good. They beat eight, eight Athens who they should beat at home and they beat Brighton. And then they lost to Everton. I'm like, ah, I don't think they're in good form right now, but they, they stuck to their plan. And what I think helps is that Wilfred and Didi comes back in the team and he's healthy. So important to their, their midfield to protect in the back four. Johnny Evans has been out for a little bit. He's back in. They got some good younger players. When those players were missing, got to play. I'm talking about um, Justin and Fofana, and just a name of two, name a few. And then James Justin is one of the most underrated players in the Premier League. Oh, dude, they got so many good players. And, and so Brendan Rodgers is doing a really good job. And what I really liked from their tactics was Jamie Vardy would play high, of course. He's going to run the channels. But when he checked back into the midfield, you'd have Madison bomb forward. You'd have people run past him. And I don't think that Alderweireld and, and Eric Dyer did a very good job today trying to keep all that in place and organized. And they got caught on a few, and they should have had another because that one wasn't offside, by the way, on Madison. Yeah. What a goal that was. Yeah. Can, 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 I, can I say one thing on that? Jimmy, you, you know what it was like. D did you ever grow up with this phrase, big five? Of like the five minutes to start and end mm, every yeah, half, yeah. right? Uh -huh, Being the most important. Okay. They gave up a penalty right at the 45th or somewhere <laughs> like that. Good and old Serge Awe. Yeah. And then, which, which, by the way, those types of penalties, I'm, I'm ready for, for the game to change because he's Same. running away from it. It's the corner of the thing. Yes, it's a foul. Give him a yellow card or a, a free kick from there. But that being now an easy goal to me is always... It, it, I'm just because of VAR and the way the game's changing the speed of the game. I just don't like this idea of like, there's this safe space. And then there's this unsafe space. That's the inside the box. You can poke someone's eye out a step away, but inside this, it's a penalty. Um, and there's no circumstances taken into it, but big five to me is this thing that you'd expect to have at the highest level, which is like lock in for the last five minutes, see the half out, you know, Jimmy, you know what it's like, how many times you said, let's get into half, like, you know, last five minutes, everything away, that sort of thing where you give up a penalty. And then if the Madison goal had stood the way it should have, that was in the first five minutes of the second half. And that there would have just been uh, nail in the coffin for, for all of this. And you think about it and you go, man, this team that's defensive minded is now in these like crucial moments have given up what should be two goals. And that's really hard to come back from. Well, that was my point at the very beginning of this conversation, which is which Mourinho said he rude the first five minutes of this game. And I ventured to say, actually, you should drew the entire game plan because you actually you have none. And, you know, a few points here. One to Gareth Bell, you know, I, could that money have been used for somebody else that probably gave you, uh, to Jimmy's point, a little bit more oomph, a little bit more passion? Number two, I think that when you look at a Mourinho side, you know, I think the proof is in the pudding right here. You know, they, they two defeats in five days for Tottenham after 11 games unbeaten. But in the 11 games unbeaten, they were really just showing you one portfolio. And it was just more about the opponent not figuring it out. I'm not trying to take anything away from what Mourinho's doing because he definitely has created a list, at least a little bit more grit with their players. It's just that I don't see the creativity. You can't go from Tuesday where you were first, Wednesday when you were second, to the end of the weekend to now you're being uh, you know, fourth or you know, really pushing out of the Champions League spots. And it's not good enough. And at the end of the day, it goes back to what we started talking about, identity. They just don't have it. I think it's more about trying to stay together, be compact, and then just focus on your real key players, Son and Harry Kane. And if they don't have those two, my God, what do you do? Like, what do you do? Yeah. I, so, so with regard to identity, I always 
wanted to play for Jose Mourinho. I always wanted to see. I'm sure I'm not alone in that, but I just wanted to no, see he's what it's like. Because at some point, I feel like if you're a creative player, you want it, these handcuffs that Mourinho, I think, puts on a lot of his creative players, you want them to come off. And so I wonder if there's some conflict that's going on, maybe even internally per player per player, that I, I don't want to just sit back anymore. I actually want to go at teams. And I used to feel like that before when I was a player myself. I'm like, why are we sitting back against these chumps? You know, I don't care what their names are on the back of their shirts. Let's still like make that. Let's go make the game. You know, and I felt like that sometimes with the national team where we would just automatically give some teams too much respect. And, and, and I always wonder, and that's what frustrated me about Wednesday's game against Liverpool is they don't need to sit back. They have equal amount of talent. You maybe not in every single area, but they could at least go after them. They just sat back and sat back and sure those tactics almost worked and they probably deserved a result there. It didn't work. And now we see it against Leicester. Leicester came out and just punched him in the face and, and Spurs never really had a response. Yep. And, and I, I was pretty disappointed. And to get to this, this goal that Madison should have scored by the way, right after halftime, I, I broke it down, Coach Jimmy. For everybody that doesn't know, I just did a stupid Coach Jimmy series. You go follow it. But, but it starts with Alder, Alderweireld. It, it's all he, he tries to hit a long ball in the middle of the field, and he misses Harry Kane. And honestly, that is like a microcosm. It's a little play there. If when you hit a long ball, you got to hit it into the corner. That way, if you miss the guy, at least the other team's stuck in the corner. But he hits it in the middle of the field. Harry Kane go, goes over his head. There's real no pressure on the ball. And Justin hits a tremendous ball, but because the two center backs, Alder is so far wide and everybody had opened up, it creates all these gaps in the middle of the field. Madison says, thank you very much. And he scores. It's those little plays. And if I'm Mourinho, I'm killing my guys about that. But if they can't make those small decisions, that starts to layer up and pile up. And all of a sudden you're starting to lose games that maybe you shouldn't. Yeah. Well, at this point right now, what we see is Jose Mourinho's Tottenham in fifth right now. And, you know, I don't think it's going to get any easier for them unless they try and figure out more options than just giving it to Harry Kane or Son. Let's just move on right here, because as well, aside from the seven nothing uh, that we saw uh, with Liverpool, there was another goal fest on Sunday as Manchester United absolutely demolished. Uh, Leeds United 6-2 <laughs> it was a super fast uh, start with uh, Scott Juan Roman Riquelme McTominay <laughs> he suddenly turns himself into the greatest midfielder we've ever seen a tremendous performance scores in the second minute in the third minute Bruno Fernandes does his thing and Heath 6-2 to Man United granted still see the defensive vulnerabilities uh, with the Red Devils but a pretty good win and sneakily Sneakily, I don't know where. I don't know why, but now I see them in the. Well, I see them in the top four. When did that happen? Yeah, the, the, the funny thing for me is I went looking at the table, and I as I started to scroll slowly down to find where Arsenal sat and how close they were to the relegation <laughs> zone. I also saw Leeds down there, right? And Leeds were they came out of a cannon to start the season, and I was like, this is one of your sure bets. You're like sort of like reestablished themselves in the Premier League. You know, you're seeing not me of, though, dude. I knew you know, straight. I knew that this was going to happen. I, I, I mean, like maybe I was just too caught up in in the moment of it. Jack Harrison hitting a banger recently, and like and the Bielsa all, poetry, yeah, right? Yeah, the, all of that wonderful, like you know, wholesome goodness. I was caught up in, but they are just on a tumble. And Man United took uh, full advantage of that right now, and and to go six two against anybody is really hard against a team out of form, whatever. But Man United are so perplexing in terms of who they are um and this is great for them right they're now in the conversation of and and i i think they i don't know if they have games in hand or not but but they're, they do they have a game in yeah, hand <laughs> yeah so they're 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 deep in this and and villa by the way uh which are, are also in this um which we will get to hand. don't you worry yeah. well, I, I just I, i'm i'm stuck i'm stuck on this table thing because i was down there and i saw leads just just like just in a free fall but Man United just slowly climbing up, and now they're in what? Third? They're in third place with Amazing. 26 points, a point behind Leicester City with a game in hand. And Jimmy Conrad, one of the things about this game and Man United's run right now is I feel that the reason why we're so surprised, or at least I am, and, and Heath too, is that it was sandwiched in between these Champions League's losses. So we were like focused a lot on what they were doing in Europe, and we were forgetting about the fact that, you know, slowly, calmly, they're kind of taking care of business in the Premier League. I mean, they're not the finished product by any means, but third place, 13 games, one game in hand, 26 points. Pretty good. So are we uh, Ole in? I don't know. Week? I don't know. I, I, last week, I, I think we were like, Ole's got to leave. He's, gotta, he's done as Manchester United manager. I tell you one thing, Jimmy, though, and I'll ask you this. I'll tell you one thing to Every both of you. Every single week, dude. It's, uh, it's what, what no, but, 
But this week, though, this weekend, I feel like Marcelo Bielsa looked at this game and he thought, you know what? Fair play because you out Bielsa'd me because I thought that Man United came with a specific plan from kickoff. We're going to hit them with their own medicine. And that's we're exactly score what two in the first five. All right, guys, we're going to head out. All right. All out. Go to the tunnel. right after the kickoff, we're going to bang two. McTominay, you're the guy today, right? You're going to step up Amazing. and then boom, just like that. Listen, I mean, I mean. Ole Gunner out managing Marcel Bielsa is peak 2020. I just, you just you can't even write. I mean, Bielsa just got named as the third best manager in the world from FIFA last this past week. I mean, let's yeah, remember though, that the squads are very different though, Jimmy, the squads are very, different. I will say that's why Mane was mad also just because he had his teammates <laughs> voting him in it to win those awards and he didn't get it. I saw right, those. You, you have the mic. Okay. You have the mic. No, no, no. It's fine. I, 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 I just think that he didn't tactically prepare. This is Bielsa for Scott McTominay to be Paul Scholes for the first five minutes of the game. Like scoring bangers from 18, making runs, you know, going past the strikers to create runs in space. That was clearly a tactic. Like we're going to push McTominay higher up the field. And what I found, what I found surprising was that that's usually what Paul Pogba does. And he was on the bench. Cavani was on the bench. I was like, God, this guy is going for it. I thought Fred, whether you love him or hate him, he does very well to clean up a lot of stuff. He's so tireless in front of that back four. And I think he really will be, if they, if they do anything of consequence this season, even finish top four, Fred's going to be a big reason why. And I can understand why he's in the team game in and game out because he does a lot of that thankless work. So I want to give a shout out to Fred, but um, yeah, really impressive for Manchester United. I, I thought they needed that type of game. They needed a one where they could actually be up four one at half and feel good about, okay, we're, we're probably not going to give this up. Uh, Leeds def definitely has a lot of work to do. I, again, very similar to RB Salzburg. And I'll bring up Jesse Marsh here because he does it in the Champions League too. They just go for it. They have an identity and they're not going to change for anybody. And, and there's something I respect about that as well. And I wish I got that out of my favorite club, Newcastle, because they always just sit back and, and they're reacting to the other team as opposed to like being on the front foot and like, no, this is our identity. This is how we're going to play. And we're going to get better no matter what. Yeah. So I have a lot of respect for Bielsa and Leeds for continuing to push him somehow keeping cool on the side. I would have been losing my mind. I would have been throwing coolers and water bottles down. I'm, I'm a very, very bad loser, but I will say that, uh, especially when you're getting slapped like that, but I do, I do have a lot of respect for Leeds still trying to, and that's just going to be part of the process. And then they're going to add better players as the years go by. And then I think we'll slowly see them starting to compete at a much higher level, but I don't want to take anything away from United. They've been very good. I thought they put together a good performance. I, I agree with you, Luis, that, uh, they're defending still is a little bit suspect. And once they play against better clubs, that's where they're going to get found out a bit. And if they can somehow sign another center back, maybe in this January transfer window, Upa Meccano, I think he might be interested. I don't know. It kind of depends. But I heard that Bayern Munich is ready to trigger that release clause for that big center back from RB Leipzig, which would be a bummer because that's what Bayern Munich always does, steals all their, their big rivals, best players. But uh yeah, I don't know. I went off on a tangent there. But yeah, fair play to Manchester United. No, but it's a good point about trying to add something else to help their defensive needs. Uh, by the way, Luke Ayling had to play center back today. He is flexible enough to do that, but you could see that there was a major loss there at the back for Leeds United. But to your point, Leeds just go all out no matter what. But just to finish Manchester United's point, by the way, after losing to, you know, they beat Southampton, that comeback 3-2, they lose to PSG, but then they beat West Ham. They lose to Leipzig, but then they tie against Man City. They beat Sheffield United. They destroy Leeds United. So, like, you know, it's sandwiched in between every other fixture, but they're getting the job done. And, you know, as we speak, they are third place, one point behind Leicester City with a game in hand. So that's pretty, pretty good. All right. Let's now finally talk and do some therapy for our friend Heath Pierce and I now. <laughs> Arsenal uh, had to play against uh, away at Everton against <laughs> Carlo Ancelotti. <laughs> Mikel Arteta returning to the team where he first was introduced uh, in the Premier League. Um, and obviously emotional for him, but this was a needed something for Arsenal. And they, they, they tried, but it was just not enough as Everton win 2-1. And as Heath mentioned, you know, the very realistic conversation here of Arsenal fighting to stay in the Premier League, I don't think is as stupid as many people think. What do you think, first of all, on the game, Heath, and, you know, what's going to happen now? Yeah, this is, again, an identity issue. I, I think last week we talked about um, Ozil and being a bringing just something different, a final pass to, to relieve things, to 
draw in pressure around them to open up the game. When you looked at the end of the game, and I'm going to skip to the end of the game, and I'm, I, I actually thought we weren't going to get to Arsenal today because you said we're going to stop, start at the top of the table and go down. I thought we'd just be, it'd be too long to fi- ever get to, to Arsenal uh, near the bottom, but here we are. Um, we have to talk about them. Yeah. It's just a, it's they, ridiculous. Yeah, look, it's a worse start over, over nearly a year uh, than, than um, Emery. Um, like I, I, it's just an identity thing again. And and I go back and I'm going to keep on preaching this till it happens. And maybe I'm too caught up in playing young players and look, Alba was hurt. No one could have predicted that Aubameyang wouldn't produce after a new deal. Right. Maybe there is a little bit, something lingering there. Maybe he burned out, maybe whatever, but he produced like regularly, frequently, consistently. And then a new deal comes uh, and maybe that's what did it. Or maybe it was the, the time it took to get him um, while he was shopped elsewhere and kind of fell out of love with the situation. Or maybe there's not the reinforcements around him. Maybe it's motivation. Maybe it's just out of form uh, because any striker, unless you're Ronaldo or Messi, can get out of form. We've, we've seen that, right? Um, so, you know, I think he had a quad strain or something like that for this game. But when I, when I get to – I was talking about the end of the game. The end of the game – we started to see some urgency, some creativity, some, some uh, just accountability to run at players, get the ball wide, put, in, put it in the box, mix up our moments. And when I say Ozil, the reason why is because you could find him in a lot of points and he could connect those dots. If you want to walk it in, just put him back in the team because, yeah, he'll mess up, but he will certainly be able to connect the dots uh, within the team and really draw in players around him that allow wingers to get higher and wider and to create one-on-one situations and also have a final pass. That part is missing. And when you again go back to Europa League, when they have some of the younger players, yeah, and, and Ketia started uh, and had a huge chance in like the 25th or 26th minute that he hit first time and should have taken time with it and whatever. But, you know, it, it, and that will come with time. But go with the young players then. What do you have to lose now? I mean, your job, I know that. But like... The, 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 your experienced players aren't giving you anything um, or enough, right? Bellerin hasn't been great. He is a player that's been in the team a long time. You're rotating your squad three in the back, four in the back. We don't really know what, what you're going to go with. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm having trouble just connecting thoughts right now. That's sort of the frustration that I have. But I'm just trying to focus on the end of the game, reminding me very much of when they played against worst teams in the Europa League where they were creative, they were running, they were dynamic in their movements in the box. There was urgency. There wasn't this whole like, let's win the flow and see if that gets us points because it never does and it never has for Arsenal. Um, and I'd just like to see that. And the young players have that fearlessness of like, hey, I have something to prove. I'm going to go out there and I'm, I'm going to run at them. But, uh, you know, watch that become the thing and then and then they let the team down. Too. I got to hop in really quick because I feel like this is Mikel Arteta when the owners ask him what's going on. That's Heath. Heath is that. He's like, just desperate. I don't, I'm just trying to put thoughts together. I don't even know. Yeah. What's our identity? Should I play young players? I don't know. We should play, we play young players. But I play young players and they don't produce. What am I supposed to do? What about Ozil? No, we can't use Ozil because he's going to hit all these bonuses. We don't want to pay him. Well, then what, what do you want me to do? You know, I mean, they're all over the place, Luisa. I mean, that is like Heath's tone. Heath's desperation, his, his sadness, it's all wrapped in there. And I feel like every Arsenal fan is feeling the same way. And I include Mikel Arteta as a diehard Arsenal fan that wants a team to do well. And he just doesn't know what to do at the moment. He either doesn't have the horses to play the style that he wants, or he just doesn't have players performing. With regard to Obama Yang, and I think I've talked about it before on, on Kegolasso, is that sometimes when you get your big contract, you relax because you did it. You, you proved to yourself, somewhere deep down, you proved to yourself, I'm finally getting paid what I'm worth, or I'm finally getting overpaid for what I'm worth. And that hunger, that desire to prove yourself goes away a little bit. We've seen it with players all over the world in all different sports. And, and I feel like we're seeing a little bit of a drop off there. He's lost a little bit of that bite because when, you, when you're not getting paid what you deserve, you feel like you're always got something to prove. And that, that, that shows on the field. You start to do the little things because you you're like, pay me my money. You know, we saw it with Eddie Johnson who just wear it on his sleeve, right? back in the day and he knows what I'm talking about, but, but, but for others, you know, they kind of keep it and just try to show it through their actions with goals and assists and, and driving forward and doing all that stuff and bringing the team along with them. And we're just not seeing that from Obama in particular to use him as an example, maybe Mezit was the same, right? He got that big giant deal and he dropped off as well. So I don't know if there's an Arsenal curse or whatever, but I feel bad for Arsenal fans. I might be a closet Arsenal fan myself. I won't say that out loud. Did I just say that out loud? I shouldn't have said that out loud, but uh, it, it's uh it's uh, we, we all fell in love over here when we were younger with the Invincibles and all that. But when you think about that team and what like the names that are playing now, you're like, this isn't anywhere near Arsenal that we all know and love. Well, my friend, I'm glad that you brought up the Invincibles because this is exactly what I said this week, actually, on HQ. 
the two things. First, let's look at the facts here. Burnley, by the way, has two games in hand to Arsenal. They win and draw that and Arsenal in the relegation zone. Okay, that's one fact. Let's talk about the second point. Thank, thank you for that fact, please. Well, I think <laughs> I think it's a reality check that some people need, I think, because some people are going, oh, exaggeration, Arsenal in the relegation zone. Guess what? Wake up, because it's, it could happen. And the second point is to the Invincibles point, which is what I mentioned. One of the things that made that kind of team special, obviously so much talent, but there was a very specific focus on the spine, the center back, the center midfield, and the striker. Right. Tieron Reed, Gilberto Silva, Patrick Vieira, Saul Campbell at the back. You had that spine. So all the leadership, all the vocal necessities that you're talking about, all the sort of oomph, all the vigor, the garra charrua, that all came from that spine. And I think slowly, especially after Wenger left, that spine left. I, I think Aubameyang maybe is one of those three because he is talented enough. He's one of the best goal scorers in the league. It's just that he's going through a bad run, whatever. But you could make him into that. Right. But the other two, who do you have? Who do you have as a that they wanted Luis, David Luis to be that person, but he's definitely not going to be that. Granite Shaka, I don't think so. Neither is Tobias. So you need that spine. Look at the jokes from Luis right now. Can I say well, something? Spine on to me is the most important thing in a title winning team, and Arsenal yeah. doesn't is so far from that. Let, let me ask you guys this question, honestly. Okay, Arsene Wenger's still in. There was a time. Right. And, and Alba's uh, records are, are better than Thierry's, I think, for the most part, like in terms of goals per game and stuff. But there was a time where Arsene Wenger was given the blank check to keep Thierry Henry. And he didn't because he knew it was time for him to go. And he knew the, the and, and I had the chance to play with him and you could see what what he meant in terms of his ability to ruin a locker room or build on a locker room. Right. When d depending on his move. Do you think Arsene Wenger would have given this contract to Aubameyang uh, at this level, at this point in his career, after he's proven this much at sort of the age that he is, do you think Arsene Wenger does the same thing as, as Thierry Henry did, which was like, hey, he's been a fantastic addition to us, but for all these reasons, whether it's locker room, whether it's the fact that it's going to be hard to motivate him still or whatever, you know enough about him to say, yeah, it's probably actually best that he gets that big deal somewhere else. So I'll jump in first, Luis, because I want to get your thoughts. Did, didn't Arsene Wenger give Mezit that deal? I mean, that kind of refutes. The kid, he's, he could have done the same thing with Mezit. Yeah, but I, I'm trying to – that is true, but I'm trying to go like for like with Thierry Henry. I see, I see. Thierry Henry was the best striker in the world when he let him go. Yeah, he was. And then he went on and still played at a high level for Barcelona. Um. Like he yeah, could, he had a blank check, right? The same thing that like Alba's, uh, like it's not like Alba isn't at a Man City or a Chelsea. Like uh, Arsenal have to think through those types of decisions where they where they give the bag like that, and they gave it. Uh, well, well, do you think that was a mistake then? Because Arsenal haven't really done much since Thierry Henry left. Which I mean, is my point. Well, they've won some FA Cups. Don't get me wrong. I mean that that is something. I'm not going to take away from that, but. Listen, I don't think that Aubameyang is the problem here. I don't think it, it's not about that. I think that I, I don't even think Arteta is the problem. I think that for a very long time, this has been coming to Arsenal because there needs to be a serious takeover within their squad. There really does need to be that. The reason why they were so successful in the past was because there was a clear identifiable trend on who they were going to get. And I think for many years, especially after Wenger left, they were just throwing things at the wind and they were just like, well, maybe let's get Shaka. He sounds pretty good. Let's get that. Ceballos. Shaka has been great, by the way. Shaka has been great. <laughs> I know. I don't, I don't mean to completely focus on him, but I think my biggest point is that like what, when there used to be a clear identity of who an Arsenal player is, I think that's not longer the case. And I think that, I think there needs to be more of an identity of who Arsenal needs to get in order to get to that. Because I don't think Arteta is the, the problem. I really don't. I think it's more about trying to figure out this squad. And you talk about the young players. We love those young players coming from the, but they're not enough, man. They're not gonna, they're not enough. There needs to be, so, I mean, William, for example, why is he in, like, do you know what I mean? Like, could that have money being spent on something better? But David Luiz, William and David Luiz, notoriously inconsistent coming into a team that wants to play wide open. That inconsistency will cost you one, two, three games a year. If yes. you have that many players that can cost you one, two, three games a year in inconsistencies, you are going to have trouble, especially if those compound back to back on each other. And it's again, it's not even about them, but you're, you're definitely right, Luis. There's, there's a, there is a lot. But I do want to point out that uh, Alba is not scoring goals at all. 
and he's got the money and he's proved that he could carry the team on his back through tough times before you expect that when you give that sort of money, it shouldn't all fall on him. Um, no, it shouldn't. He's no. a, a problem, but he's not, uh, he's one of like 150. Uh, when we come back, we did a lot of the premier league, everybody a lot, but when we come back, we will go to Germany uh, where uh, just when you think a team has a top of the table, there goes Robert Lewandowski. We'll be right back. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, Jimmy Conrad, Heath Pierce. We're in the Bundesliga now. It was a fantastic game. Uh, at least we thought it was going to be a certain kind of narrative to end it with. But in the end, uh, Robert Lewandowski had his say as Bayern Munich defeated Bayer Leverkusen 2-1. Uh, um, and, you know, it was an exciting game, but filled with mistakes, especially from the home side. Jimmy, how'd you see this one? Well, first and foremost, if you guys have not seen any highlights from this game, I highly encourage you to go check out Patrick Sheik's first goal, oh their God. only goal. It might be one of the goals of the season, uh, a volley, straight volley from a, well, not from a corner. It started on a, a short corner and gets crossed. It's definitely a set, a set play for sure. They've worked on it just based on how the players are running and creating that space. His technique is fantastic and what a finish. So you should check that out. What's unfortunate, Lewandowski goes on and gets his brace. But as you say, Luis, mistakes. It was simply mistakes. Bayer Leverkusen made the mistakes. And when you give... I'm not even talking about a half chance to a team like Bayern Munich. If you give them a quarter chance, if you make a mistake, they're going to get your, the other team's going to get punished for that. And they absolutely punished Bayer Leverkusen who had yet to lose in the Bundesliga of the season had been cruising in the Europa league and punished them. Robert Lewandowski is another level. Talk about a guy that can win all the awards and probably get all this types of cash. And it doesn't, it doesn't phase him. He's like the anti Obama Yang at the moment with all due respect to Obama Yang. We've been piling on him, but, but, he continues to go and push. I will say, though, the biggest victory for Bayern Munich in this one is the return of Joshua Kimmich. Uh, him, him returning to their, their team, came out in the 70th minute, is so important for them moving forward. It just makes them even more dangerous. He's one of the top midfielders in the world for me. And with his return, I think that's such a big boost for them. And then on top of that, they scored in the 92nd minute, by the way. Uh, Jonathan Ta, who I love as a defender for Bayer Leverkusen, just gave away a bad ball and they got punished. So unlucky for Bayer Leverkusen. I thought a draw was a fair result, all things considered. But uh, they have to go with the loss. And now Kimmich's back for Bayern. And I think that's it for the Bundesliga. Congratulations to Bayern for winning the league again. Yeah, that's what I'm afraid of, Heath. I think this is it now. It's over. Yeah. The, the scariest thing is that Bayern are tired they're going they've had a long year and they're going through their trials and tribulations you know their ebbs and flows of a season the last seven games they've had to come from behind to get results and they win right now you take on a leverkusen you come again from behind and yeah jonathan talk bangs into the goalkeeper by the way jimmy the goalkeeper should just clean taw out there right that's if you're that's gonna come sure. out 100 Lay him out. That's just sort of the way, if you call yeah. it, you, you go through anyone and everything. However, then again, in stoppage time, as Jimmy mentioned, Tom makes another sort of fatal error. And, and, you know, this is one, and, and Leverkusen, by the way, have scored, I think it's like 19 goals from set piece situations, like situational Ooh. things, not directly on a set piece, but like that sort of coming off that being the starting point, which is um, outrageous. But again, Bayern, it, it's a scary thing when Bayern are, you know, and we talked about this and not to bring major league soccer into this, when we talked about Seattle before about this belief of always being in it, it's a scary thing when a team as good as Bayern is, is, is it has a belief system when things are not going good, that they're going to come back into games coming from behind is a real character builder for a team. That's going to be full strength with Kimmich back with Alfonso Davies is playing regularly again. Like, you know, it's, it's a scary thing to, to have that in your back pocket, to know that, you know, we're not just even, it's not just going to be about smooth sailing. We're going to go up and we're going to win games. We're going to grind out results. It's actually coming from behind as a mentality and something that you can rely upon when it goes well. And to be able to know that they keep themselves in games, uh, granted, this was one where they were gifts, um, you know, is, 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 is something special. And, and again, I, I agree with you. It's, it's bye-bye Bundesliga. I'll be the same. <laughs> Uh, normally, the argument could be made in any other league, but when you're Bayern Munich, as both of you have talked about, it's almost always over. Just they're just they're 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 a machine. 
they're a machine in every sense of the word and a great win for them. And Leverkusen is probably going to rue the fact that they made those mistakes. Let's stick in Europe, a very quick whip around. Uh, in La Liga, it's a capital match right now, a, a capital race in Madrid as Atletico wins, Real Madrid wins, both even on 29 points, but Atleti with a better goal difference. Um, Barcelona tied against Valencia. Uh, another rude opportunity there for Ronald Koeman and his men. Uh, let's talk about Serie A as well as uh, AC Milan uh, win 2 nothing against Sexy Sassuolo, the fastest goal in Serie A history by Rafael Leao, uh, less than a minute, I believe. Just under that, I forget, 47 seconds, something like that. Um, and with Inter Milan also winning, you know, the race is also... Uh, in Milan right now with one point above. Any any notes from that, Jimmy? La Liga, Serie A, uh, anything that caught your attention? Yeah, I just want to, just to put a capper on the Bundesliga. Uh, Borussia Dortmund lost. Uh, RB Leipzig tied somebody that's just above the relegation zone. Borussia Mönchengladbach lost. Uh, this was a great weekend for Bayern Munich on so many different levels. And so I just wanted to say that all their competitors are falling out. All right, let's move to La Liga first. I had Barcelona. We talked about our bets before. I had Messi scoring. Both teams to score, Barcelona and Valencia both to score, and Barcelona to win. It was all set oh, up, everybody, two to so one. Close. And then what the I can't even I can't even say I can't I can't watch this Barcelona team. They're absolutely <laughs> infuriating, not only from a betting perspective that they gave up a late goal, it's just how they give up the goals, set pieces, not concentrating at the right moment. I just I don't know what's up with this team. They're very, very frustrating to watch. I can imagine if I'm Lionel Messi going like what? What is happening here? Why, who, are, where's Xavi and Iniesta again? He's like looking through, you know, he's just squinting his eyes, trying to make, you know, somebody look like Xavi and Iniesta to get this thing going. It's, it's, uh, it's really unfortunate. They, they, they fell back into it. We talked about, they're going to come off this good result against Real Sociedad. Which team are we going to see on the weekend against Valencia? They went back to, oh, uh, wow. They're just, they're, they're good for 45 minutes. They're good for 60 minutes, but they're not putting that full 90 together like they did against Sociedad. And that's a shame. And now it's going to be tough for them to catch it, Letty. And then Real Madrid's starting to really catch fire too. So, yeah, I don't know. It's 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 tough days for Barcelona. We knew that coming in, but you were thinking after that Real Sociedad 2-1 win that they were going to really kick on and they just didn't kick on. Yeah, nothing is impossible. I mean, they're only eight points behind first, but like you said, they're just, they're just a mess that for 90 minutes they can't take care. And it's amazing that we're talking about Barcelona not being able to control matches, especially at home, especially against weaker opposition. I mean, we're talking about the fact that they're playing Valencia, who's in 13th. Amazing. Heath, anything from uh, any of these games, any of these uh, leagues uh, that caught your eye? No, I think Jimmy is spot on with, with Dortmund losing. I think they're on 22 points, quite a ways off the, the, the pace right now, which, which is what your real opportunity was. I, I never really saw um, RB Leipzig as somebody that was going to challenge for a title. They could potentially take points. They could be the ones that ruin title races for those teams and, and continue to sort of keep in that pack of a champions league spot. But um, yeah, on, on the Spanish side, Yunus Musa went out just before the half, which I thought was, you know, kind of crappy for, for us fans uh, to see him go off. I'm not sure what the extent of that was, um, but surely an injury to do it just before halftime. Um, but the other thing is Atletico Madrid have two games in hand. Uh, and so they're tied on points, but they they've got two games in hand, which I think, is a huge advantage for them. And when you look at Barcelona sitting on 21 points, they're eight behind Real Madrid with a game in hand. However, uh, that Atletico gap is, might be too far to overcome if they can keep that pace. And uh, so their real hope is to really see them sort of fall off a few times, which I do expect Atleti to, be, to do at some point in the season to keep that tighter and hope that they can close that gap because right now it's not looking good for Barcelona to be able to close that with, with, with the uh, extra games that Atletico have and, and um, yeah, we, I mean, it's just, again, uh, top five teams with Barcelona, Atletico and Real Madrid still in it. Sociedad and Villarreal, uh, it's, it's an exciting, um, it's still wide open. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll have to see over the crunch period of what, what happens going into January and February. But it's looking really good for uh, Atleti right now. Yeah, yeah I feel I, I agree. Uh, I think it's Letty's league to lose. I'll jump over to Italy really quick and just give everybody an update there. Uh, Lazio took care of Napoli 2-0. It's a pretty impressive performance. Lazio's defending hasn't been great. That's a big result for them. Atalanta was down 1-0 after three minutes to Roma. Came back and scored four goals. And they didn't have Papu Gomez in this one. He got left at home due to this disagreement with the manager Gasparini. We'll see where Papu Gomez ends up. I'm hearing a lot MLS. of chatter. 
Oh, that'd be amazing. But I'm also hearing that Inter Milan might be interested in his services, uh, which would be a nice fit for them. They could really use somebody to link up better with, with uh, Lukaku and Lataro than some of the holding midfielders that they currently have. But really the big move was they're down 1-0 at half. They brought in Ilicic, who was dropping dimes and scoring goals, two goals and assists in the second half alone. That guy is a special player. So keep Sweet an eye on left him. foot, Ilicic. So good, so good. Milan, as you said, Liao is a special player as well. No Zlatan, no Rebic, and they still got a result. So I think uh, keep an eye on him. I really want to give a shout out to Juventus because I feel like they've started to find that identity that we've kind of had as a theme throughout this podcast. They looked very good against Parma. It was 4-0. Ronaldo looked good. Weston McKinney starting. I think he's really starting to incorporate himself as a, as a, as a reliable player, a consistent player for them. And uh, an attacking we, we can, player, by the way. I know. Like, he's bombing forward, dude. You love to see it. I just I like what Juve is putting together now. They're going to be hard to slow down. They have all that experience. Buffon was in goal making saves, which is always fun to see. And and so Juve, they won 4-0. Just, just really, really impressive. Uh, Marata, yes, he, he misses a lot of chances, but he did end up getting one at the end. He sets up a lot. He had a nice dime to Cristiano Ronaldo for a header. This team is starting to find its identity and I think a really meaningful way. I think Andrea Pirlo is starting to tick all the boxes. Similar to Frank Lampard with Chelsea, right? He finally kind of, I got my 11 now. How can we make this 11 stronger once everybody's healthy? I think Pirlo is now there with Juve. That is very scary. But I want to give a shout out to Inter Milan as well. They won their sixth straight. They're one off the top behind Milan. I love Serie A this season. I think it's 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 going off. It's popping off. Very similar to La Liga. You don't really know who's going to do it. The favorites are there, but are they going to do it this time around? So it, it should be a lot of fun to see what happens. Yeah, aside from Germany, there really is like a race going on everywhere in Europe. By the way, shout out to Karim Benzema, okay? Directly involved in 12 goals in La Liga this season. No player has had a say in more goals. He's just amazing. I think you know, whenever we talk about the best number nines in the world, some, you just every now and again, you just got to say his name. Just say it. Just every he's, now and again. He's well, underappreciated. You, yeah, for sure. Just ridiculous. Good can old I, can, I give my, can, I, can I give a shout out real quick? Yeah. Do okay. think, my, shout, my shout out is for uh, Yusufa Makoko. Uh, oh, oh yeah. In the Bundesliga. And, and also a shout out to Florian Verts, who was considered a phenom to fill in for Kai Havertz, scored the youngest ever uh, back in like June or July, and his record lasted like five months. Like imagine a once in a lifetime talent being told like, hey, you've scored the youngest goal. And then five months later, somebody younger breaks that. <laughs> and you're in your 16s, right? You're or 17s. You're not yeah. it's like you're not. I think it's it, maybe it is six. It is 16s. Um, maybe, no, maybe it's seven, whatever it is, whatever their age is, it's ridiculously young and to only hold that title for a very short time has got to be demoralizing. And then to lose to Bayern, uh, not great. So shout outs to those guys. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I loved it. I loved all of it. Listen, one more drop. When we come back, a very quick few thoughts from these two on the fact that an MLS team is in the final of the CONCACAF champions league. Stay right here. It's the NFL offseason, but on Pick 6, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Ducible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must Listen, download, and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found. All right, we're running out of time, so I quickly want to get the thoughts of both these guys on LAFC, who beat Club America and Miguel Piojo Herrera to make it to the final of the CONCACAF Champions League. They'll now be facing Tigres and André Pierre Gignac. Uh, it's going to be quite a good matchup, but shout out to LAFC. Uh, Heath, what are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, uh, I was reminded of what CONCACAF is like again uh, when you watch this <laughs> game. You know, the antics, the drama, the rolling around on the ground, the time-wasting, the disrespect, all the things that have been lacking from my uh, soccer diet over the last months. Uh, we're brought back to life in this game, but it, look, it was a huge, huge result. Carlos Vela putting the team on his back on big moments, I think was, was important, especially after a year where he was, he was out for quite a bit, but um, yeah, I just, it, it's a long ways to go still. Tigres is no joke, uh, but I thought that they would not get through this one, uh, especially going, uh, going down a man and, and we're able to stay in it and just, uh, Again, if you if you guys have a chance, if you haven't seen the memes that have been made already, if you haven't seen uh, the highlights, uh, I don't know where to find them, but you should go and find them uh, and watch them. 
because it's wild. You know, coach, uh, um, what's his name sent off, uh, yeah, yeah, using a walkie talkie to communicate to the bench (laughs) and, you know, players sending off guys throwing punches. Like it's just all the drama that makes CONCACAF so great happened, uh, except, uh, LAFC prevailed and, and now find themselves in a final with a chance to really give, uh, major league soccer, some, some huge respect again, a long ways to go. Tigres are fantastic, but yeah. Um, fun game. Yeah, Jimmy, what a, I mean, great achievement for LAFC. I mean, listen, like they beat Leon, Cruz Azul, and now Club America. I mean, listen, I don't care what anybody says. Like, that's really good for a very young club uh, against uh, undoubtedly stronger opposition. No question. First team in MLS history to beat three Mexican teams uh, in this competition, which is great. And I think that's going to give them a lot of confidence as to exactly what Heath said as well, that they probably shouldn't have won in that position. They're down a man at halftime. Sure, you know, uh, Memo Ochoa might uh, dabble in the dark arts, the Sergio Ramos slash Pepe slash Arian Robin, no era final, uh, you know, dark arts of, of kind of antagonizing at Tuesta at that point to get the red card. But that's part of it. And at Tuesta should know better, frankly. I mean, that's just that's just how these games go. They're feisty, they're chippy, and, and I love it as well. I can't get enough of this, and I expect uh, Tigres LAFC on Tuesday night to be an absolute banger. What I'll say is I thought the change that Bob Bradley made bringing on Latif Blessing at halftime was good. He, he's, he ended up scoring the last goal in the 90th minute, but he brings a different dynamic. He's quicker than I think uh, Atuesta for sure. And, and uh, he ended up coming on for Musovsky, but, but he, because of his pace, because he's a little bit more unpredictable. That said, for me, the biggest turning point of the whole game was Carlos Vela scoring about a minute or two after halftime. Imagine that type of that belief that, that that gives the rest of the guys. Oh, we we might have a chance here. We're getting looks. We scored right away. And, and had they not scored, had that, you know, let me have gone 60, 70 minutes and not scoring. I just think that America would have just sat back farther and farther and just like just launched the ball. Don't care. Not trying to be aesthetically pleasing. But that that goal unlocked them a little bit. That meant that America had to attack to try to get into it and take advantage of that. And there's some pride at times and Heath can speak to it too, where you're up a man and you feel like you should be playing better than you are, but the people with 10 are actually outplaying you. And it's even more frustrating. And I think America fell into that a little bit, super, super emotional between these clubs, which is what we like. And uh, yeah, I'm excited for this final Tigres. Uh, Ferretti's a, a terrific manager. He's going to have Tigres very well prepared. Not only that, he has terrific players that are better than America or any other Liga MA keys team that LAFC has faced so far more specifically Andre Pierre Gignac, the number nine up top. So it'll be a big, big, tall, tall order for them because they're back for LAFC has been a little suspect throughout the last eight or nine months, but you know, we'll see. I, I think at this point, why not roll the dice, go out there, have some fun. If Carlos Vela is motivated, you always have a chance. You never know. It's the final, uh, which is on Tuesday night, 10 PM Eastern at Exploria. It's going to be a great game between an MLS club and a Liga MX club for the CONCACAF Champions League final. Jimmy Conrad, Heath Pierce, thank you so much. By the way, this is our final, our final weekend recap of the year. We're taking a little break uh, for Christmas uh, Boxing Day period, but we will be back after that. Make sure you stay tuned with us. Jimmy, thank you so much, brother. Thank you. And I hope that I can be Scott McTominay one day and I'll, I'll completely overplay what I'm capable of. Heath, who do you hope to be one day? <laughs> uh, Memo Ochoa. <laughs> <laughs> you kind of halfway are, my friend. <laughs> Thank you so much, fellas. Wait, oh, no, Luis, you can't wait. You can't end the show like that. Who do you want to be? Super Jack Grealish every single Oh, that's time. fair. Oh, that's come fair. on, man. Drop you wear that costume every year. Come every year. On. I just Short need socks. a wig now because I'm losing my hair. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, everybody. I want to thank Jimmy Conrad and Heath Beers for joining me today. Don't forget that you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. You can follow us on Kego Lasso Pod. Have a great rest of your day and a great beginning to your week. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. You're ready, Bob. Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus.